This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. And we are back in the car again. Headed towards Line Dance. Shocker. <laughs> but at least we're out of the tree. <laughs> All right. Name that movie, anybody who's at home. Yeah. <clears throat> um, we have more notes. Lots more notes. I have so many notes. It's ridiculous. We actually got through maybe like one or two pages last time in like four separate hour plus long episodes on average. Um, so here's here's another page. And it's got lots of bullet points. Oh, but um, before we get to that, there was one thing I wanted to mention that I saw on Facebook today, which I thought was really nice. Um, a couple of line dancers over in um, at least the UK and possibly another country. I'm not sure where the, uh, the other person hails from. Um, they both created a dance individually to the same song. Okay. And they were so cordial about it. When one of them put out her dance and um, somebody in the comments said, like, oh yeah, I have one of those and I'm going to be releasing it at this event first person who just posted the, the, her new dance, she said like, oh, well, heck, if I had known, you know, I wouldn't have released mine. But, you know, mine is a very different level um, for, like, difficulty, so, you know, maybe they'll each find their own group of people who enjoy them. And the other person agreed, and then they said, oh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll promote yours so that way people can see both of them and, like, oh, um, they, so can, cool. they can find the one that's best for, for them. And they were just so sweet about it, and I really like that, especially with like some of the discussion that we've seen lately about like all the different uh, dances that come out to the same song. Um, that was really nice to see, just like people working together in the community so that everybody can dance to a song that they like. Yeah, I, I agree, and I mean, it brings me to a conversation I had earlier today with Emily Harris. Mm-hmm. Shout out, love the girl. She's amazing. Such a big, huge heart. Um, and we were talking about like supporting other dancers as well as choreographers, not just your local friends. You know, like going outside the box and you know, like not. Like, there's no reason to be mean about anything, especially like publicly. But like, you know, like there's regardless of what you feel like you can show your support um, just by encouraging people to you know keep learning and keep growing and whatnot so it's it's nice to see that there's other people out there with the same opinion as myself so. uh, also um, speaking of a whole bunch of dances to the same song recently um, there there was a, a mention of how there are, must be around 20 dances and I, I thought there were at least 20 at this point for uh, Shape of You so I looked it up and then just for fun I looked up the number of dances to a lot of other songs that are in pop music that are extremely popular yes or and, have been um, so there were 21 for Shape of You at the time that I looked this up a couple days ago and there were 23 to Try Everything from Zootopia by Shakira 24 to Country Girl Shake It For Me by Luke Bryan 25 to Shake It Off by Taylor Swift 27 to Love Runs Out by who even is that is that Imagine Dragons or uh, I don't even One Republic at the moment. somebody One of those Love Runs Out 27 Dances 
32 to Can't Stop the Feeling by Justin Timberlake, 35 to Blurred Lines by Robin Thicke, and 46 to All About That Bass by Megan Trainer. Uh, I was also in conversation with um, Jono recently, and uh, he, he was passing along the advice that was given to him not to stress out over uh, big releases and when starting out with choreography just to look for more niche music because otherwise you're always going to be rushing like chasing after the new thing yes and all of those dances um, set to those songs kind of support that that notion that um, a lot of people are going to try to get on that newest pop track um, sometimes in the multiple dozens of, of dances and choreographers. All right. So, yes. Some thoughts Let's or bullet look. points to talk about. I have so many, so many of these dotted, um, and this I don't even know. Like I don't date any of these, so I don't know when these are from. But uh, let's start with one here. Oh, if a derivative step hits perfectly, it won't feel derivative. So if there's a, a step combination that you've seen before in another dance, and it just happens to work out really well in yours, it might be less likely to remind you of that previous dance because you'll be so caught up in the present of how that fits so well right there, you won't even notice. Okay. So it's one of those things that just kind of like might help put people's minds at ease, like choreographers, if they think it's too similar or too familiar from something else. As long as it really is the best combination that you could think of that felt the best for that specific song, it's okay. Like, each of those d dances, the earlier one and yours, have, like, equal right to using that combination. It's all about what, you know, gives the greatest expression physically for whatever the song is trying to do. Yes. Yeah. All right. And then above that, what do I have here? Um, oh, this is a kind of life advice as well. Sometimes you have to do a few steps in place to make the spin at the end that much more satisfying. Like if you're just doing spinning and spinning and spinning, then any spin is going to not really feel separate or distinct from the others. But if you're doing like a, a, a paused period, like in four on the floor, um, when you have that little 16 count repeat of the steps that came before the tag mm -hmm. during the breathing portion, it's more or less in place. You're doing kick and cross and kick and cross and kick and cross and step, step. A lot of that is happening right underneath your feet. And then you go forward into two big wizard steps as the, the chorus comes back. Yeah. So having that variation of um, pause and just kind of hanging out where you are before you get back into all the excitement, um, it's sort of like the seasons, like winter before you can enjoy spring and summer. Yeah, I mean, it, there's certainly something to be said about, you know, just a couple steps as well as in the sense of, like, choreographing something, um, depending on how the song starts and or flows, um, you want to build. So you want to start off with slower or smaller or not necessarily as big movements um, and then maybe put something really good towards the middle or the end. Um, obviously, there's certain points in which you want to, you know, like, hit the music and have a hook, obviously, because, you know, you want people's attention to look at the dance, but, you know, to start off with, like, 
four spins in a row or something like that, that, you know, people are going to look at that and be like, what the heck are you doing and where can you go with that? Yep. So. One thing I'd like to look into at some point also is just, like, finding out the, if there is, like, a, a good ratio or pacing for, um, like, those cathartic expression movements and the stuff in between. Because I was thinking about just recently uh, learning a beginner dance that has a couple of claps and the, the pace of the dance is so fast that it feels like when you do the claps and then you do them again, it's like, I just did them. Like, they're fun to do. Like, when, when the dance starts out and you're, you're doing them, like, it goes really well. But, like, then it comes back around and then it comes back around and there isn't enough space in between the times that you're doing the claps for it to feel that cathartic. Mm-hmm. And... I think that's why, I mean, people will sometimes create these, like, 64-count ones or whatever because there's some big high spot that they want to do, but it's not going to feel very good. It's not going to feel like a big high spot if you don't give it a lot of breathing space around it with a lot more counts. Yeah. I can see that. Excuse me. All right. Uh, There is another note that I have here that's related to that um, uh, derivative step note. If a dance has spots that remind you too much of other dances, that's on you for knowing the whole collection. <laughs> so if somebody else, like let's say um, there's some combination like like an uh, umbop, for example, like the forward and kick and back and forward and kick, like that whole bit. If you see that someplace else, like I remember when I first learned it, I thought, wow, that's so cool. That's such a distinctive thing. I've never seen that anywhere else. Um, but then if you later on learn another dance that has something similar, and you think, well, I don't know, this is really, eh. it doesn't feel like mbop because like I already know that combination from doing mbop for so long. Somebody else who's seen that second dance and doesn't know mbop, they're gonna think, wow, what a cool combination! I've never seen this before, and they're going to enjoy it. Maybe then looking at mbop in the way that you look at this new dance that has the same combination. So. The problem is not in the dance itself. Like, there's nothing wrong with either of those dances using that really neat combination. If you know both of them and you are the one who has a problem with them being similar, well, that's just a personal issue, I think. Yeah, I can understand that. Because um, I know in learning several different dances, uh, we've looked at each other and been like, oh, okay, yeah, it starts like sweet sensation. Right. <laughs> yeah, and kick and touch, kick and touch. Yeah. So, and there's probably four or five that, you know, if I really thought about it, that I've learned over the last six months that have that same combination in the dance at some point, um, let alone, like, starting the same way. Mm-hmm. So, uh, there certainly is the more dances you learn, the more likely all the steps are going to be reminiscent of some dance or another mm-hmm. um, unless there's just such such a new movement mm-hmm. like for instance the arm movements in uh, Stop Your Feet yes like the, the, I'm not I haven't seen those before so that's you know that's the new focus but some of the other movements like if you actually look at some of the footwork it's you know reminiscent of other dances mm-hmm. but oh, there was a oh yes uh, there, there's a, a, a fellow choreographer that we know uh, who has mentioned 
that there are a lot of dances that start with like walk, walk, triple, walk, walk, right, left, right, something like that. And that is another situation where there's nothing necessarily wrong with the dances for all starting that way because it's when, when you're teaching a new dance, it's nice to give people something as basic as walk forward on your right, walk forward on the left, you know, like you do every day on the sidewalk. Right. Um, and then, you know, here's this slightly different thing, which is a forward shuffle that kind of eases them into the rest of these strange new steps uh, that they would not have normally done in like the everyday life. Walk, walk, they know they can do. <laughs> right. Um, so just because those dances are similar that, you know, have that similar opening, um, it's what they do like with everything after that that helps kind of set it apart. But like there's a reason why some of these openings are as common as they are and I think to some extent it's just they work. Like they get your body moving yeah. without starting you on some giant sweep or turn or spiral or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> oh gosh. Okay, so here's one that I have here that says, Teach by the step sheet to be respected by the greater line dance world. And we were talking recently about teaching by the step sheet and how, like, when I started out, I didn't know, like... I didn't know of I, step sheets? Yeah, like, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't care for them once I saw them. Like, no, just give me a video. That's how I learn. Like, why would I need a step sheet? That's so boring. And, like, I don't want to take the time to sit and, like, read and decipher all this. However, um, there is... An, an element of sort of paying your dues in, in like taking that time because like of course the easy thing and not always like the most technically correct thing is see what other people are doing on the floor kind of figure out more or less what they're doing make adaptations that feel better for you and then just teach that and say it's the dance yeah yeah we see a lot of that yeah <laughs> um, that's how I learned yeah <laughs> that's how I taught too <laughs> um, however like, because that's the easy thing to do and the less fun, harder thing to do is to do the step sheet, that's one of those sort of barriers to entry that um, makes for uh, a more publicly highly respected um, you know, line dance person. It's, yes. it's doing those not fun things, like the hard things uh, that set you apart. It's like the Randy Pouch thing that we were talking about before, like the, the brick walls are not there to stop you, they're to stop everybody else who didn't want to try to climb them. Yeah. And there are a lot of not fun things to do in line dance. Uh, even though you know, we say we're all doing this for fun, like we're just dancing because we enjoy it, uh, there are things that you have to do, like write a step sheet. And it is arduous. <laughs> and every little, especially like when you make a really complicated dance that feels so good, that like uh, can, you, you couldn't imagine it being different. Like, well, okay, you're going to have to do a step sheet for that. <laughs> like, I can only imagine trying to write something like D for work from home. Mm -hmm. Like having every to describe tiny. every little detail and mm -hmm. still like not finding the words for everything is I, mean, I can only imagine what they went through for that yeah. so yeah so when you when you do take that time and you acknowledge how much time somebody else put into writing their step sheet um, and then you teach to that step sheet and you teach however it was that they originally created it uh, and also respecting that they wanted it to be a specific way 
Unless they just put something like, well, this is loose, do what you want for this part. Like, Have fun for these four counts. Exactly. Like, if they're not doing that, then, like, they intended it for it to be a certain way, and, like, who are you to just go around messing with that uh, and decide that your way is better? Uh, when you really give them that respect and learn it, take the time to learn it, and then take the time to teach it as intended, then that respect comes back to you. And people know that, like, you are a reliable person um, for teaching dances accurately. People might even send you their dances um, to teach because they will have faith that you are going to teach it as they as they wrote it. Yeah. Whereas like they might not want you to learn it if they if you're just gonna learn it the way you think you know it and they're like, oh maybe stay away from my dance because you're gonna like hurt people with the way that you you modify it. Like yeah. some people modify it to make it safer and cleaner and simpler and some people are like, well that part's boring. We don't like to do it that way. So let's just you know, amp it up in, in this way and that and not give people the option to do it the way it was written. That is dangerous. And that, that's the kind of thing where, like, if I had a dance that was going to be um, taught that way with my name attached to it, like, ugh, it, people will think I, I write unsafe dances. Yeah. Um, and, there, I mean, there's something to be said about, like, I mean, variations are great. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, we've said it in heaven knows how many times in these podcasts, you know, it's only a variation if you know the original choreography mm -hmm. and you know that it's a different way and, you know, it's a choice. Mm -hmm. um, but just to teach it that way, you know, it's, it's, it's challenging as a dancer mm -hmm. to learn it one way, go to some venue and be like, yeah, I know this one. And then half the steps be different mm -hmm. because you learned it incorrectly. Um, you know, it, it, there's a, a reason, there's a sequence of movements, and they put it in there for a reason. Um, once you know what those are, then you can make the choice to change it. But that's on you. You're making that choice. How is it right for you to make the choice for everyone else at the same time? Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, I think it was, the way it was phrased um, in one of the interviews from a while back was... Um, like, if you learn whatever way people are doing on the floor, you don't know that dance. You you know how that person next to you did it on the floor. You're not even necessarily learning the way that, quote, they do it there. Because what if the, like, four people around you are doing it in their own, like, in-group friend way, and mm -hmm. everyone around them is doing it, quote, the way they do it there? Then, like, you, you're not even learning what you think you're learning, which is, like, the way it's done there. Okay. So... You know, when you have something as concrete as the step sheet to fall back on, then that's, like, undeniably what the dance is. Yeah. And then if you want to do it how you do it, then you know, that, that's just your personal choice after you've learned the basic. Yeah. yeah. Mm, all right, speaking of choreography, I've got one here that looks kind of fun. Hide clues toward a treasure in the choreography of created dances. So, uh, I'm not sure exactly where I was going with that, <laughs> but with, uh, with dances, like, there are a lot of direction changes, and on treasure maps, there are a lot of direction changes, like, walk this way for six paces, and then do this for however many paces. Um, so, for example, let's say you had a dance that, I don't know, takes you five paces diagonally toward like 130 or something okay. and during those five paces you're directed to like I don't know put your 
hand on your hip and only during those counts. And then in the next dance that you choreograph, there's another series of steps where you're moving like to your left for so many paces and then your hand is on your hip. That hip hand thing would be like the little secret signal that these steps are significant. And when you stitch them together across however many dances you want to do this for, then it like, I don't know, takes you to some treasure like a online gift card or something. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I thought that was kind of an interesting idea. That you can hide stuff within the choreography itself that creates sort of a longer running narrative than just whatever's happening in that dance. Well, and you can do something like that and even make it so that then once you're done, you re- you say, okay, so here's the, the song that the, all that choreography makes another dance for. Yeah, I was thinking that uh, that's a, sort of a related thing. It was um, with the action figures where they give you like the action figure itself and then an arm for like Juggernaut or some other some other character and then you buy another action figure and they have like the leg or the head or the torso so they're encouraging you to buy all five figures and then you get this bonus figure that you assemble yourself from all those pieces yeah this also encourages people to learn five of your dances Uh because from those five you can pull out the secret steps that add up to the other dance yeah yeah it's a neat idea so there's your freebie out there, Line Dance World. If you're wondering, why are we just giving away these ideas? If you saw how many ideas are on these, <laughs> these pages, pages. I, I don't know if I could do all of them. I'd just be like coming up with five more or something every time I think I've, I've gotten the, you know, one of them managed. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, um, this is something I would like to see broken down somewhat. Um, maybe in like a technique workshop. How to... Okay, so uh, first I should define um, the term overbooking in wrestling. Uh, In pro wrestling, if you overbook a match, it's like there's no... It doesn't seem natural and spontaneous. It seems very, like, color by numbers, this is how the match was supposed to look. Um, You know, now it's this, this part of the match where we do this... And okay, so now we have to move outside the ring and transition into this part. And now we're going to do this gimmicky thing. Um, and it doesn't seem natural. It doesn't seem like they're having uh, just a, a fight because they have you know, reasons, they have anger or whatever. So to overbook a match is to just like micromanage it, add too much stuff to it, and not just have it be about whatever the story is that it's trying to tell. Um, I would like to see how you might develop a light touch on choreography so that you don't overbook your dance and uh, the the example I had here was stitches uh, where it hits very nicely and you can do that dance a gajillion times and not be tired of it and at its most basic like a lot of those steps are not like crazy that and not physically demanding but they're interesting yeah and um, as I say, the original example I had for this was stitches, but also clap, clap, clap. Um, there, there are steps that uh, you might have seen in other dances before, like the, the walk, 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 and then the out, 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 and cross right before the bounce unwind. But how many times have you seen that walk, walk, out, out, and cross on a diagonal? Like, just a tiny little difference, and it's like this fresh combination. Yeah. And it still captures the mood of the dance without going crazy, like 
all you're doing is like walk, 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 clap, clap, clap. But like, again, it's on a diagonal. It's fresh. You've clapped many times probably in other directions, but on a diagonal, it's slightly different. It makes it unique to that dance. So I think maybe Amy would be a good person to... Uh, oh, Amy and also Joe. I, uh, since I learned Summer Wind recently, there are little things, again, with diagonals most notably, um, that happen in that dance so that the steps themselves are basic, but the combinations are fresh and well-suited to the music. So it doesn't feel overly familiar or derivative, and it's, it's like that, um, uh, that principle... Like, perfection is not in, like, whatever you've added or whatever, or, like, adding as much, uh, I don't know, da-da-da. It's in stripping away all but what's essential. Like, when you can't remove any more from it, that's how you know you've, like, achieved perfection with what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Not in just adding a bunch more stuff to it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that would be a, that would be a, a good workshop, I think. Can you think of any other dances that, um, that do that where the steps are basic? But like nothing really about it should change, because it's just like it's just right for how how it feels. Oh, I don't know. There's a couple. So- there's a couple dances that um, I can say just feel good mm-hmm. dancing. Um, as for like how many actual like I guess air quote basic steps are in them. I can't think of any that like truly come to mind, but um, I mean, some obviously you, Joe and mm-hmm. half of her dances. I'm like, yes, I have to know these because they're awesome. And then I love Amy's dances too. So, I mean, you have two of my favorite choreographers right there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, two dances that just came to mind for me were uh, Going Ham and uh, the version that he has of Shape of You, both by Trevor Thornton, and I think he's also very good about that, like with Ain't Too Cool uh, as well, not adding so much that it feels overbooked and overmanaged. Um, I was going to say, the the two that came to mind recently for me would be, um, ironically, uh, Made in the Shade, Mm. Rachel and Joe, Mm -hmm. and then Oops Baby. Ah. Oops Baby with um, Rachel and Cody. Um, there's a, a lot of not complicated steps or combinations of steps in those dances, but they just feel really good in the way ha- that they flow from one to the next and then right back into each other. Mm. And I happen to really like those. But yeah, no, I'm, now that you bring up um, Trevor with Going Ham, certainly it's, uh, there, there's not a lot of complicated steps in that. Um, Another really good one, um, Rick's Dance Like Yo Daddy. Hmm. Like, there's a lot of really good movements in that. Very, if you just strip down all the flair and variation you can put on it, it's, it gives you a very solid, basic foundation. And like Going Ham and some of these other ones, it gives you room to play if you so choose. Mm-hmm. So a nice way to keep the dances fresh at the same time by not overcrowding the steps where it's like you have no choice but to do these you know 84 counts in this sequence and there's not enough time to change something at all yeah yeah max walcott talks about that in his uh, podcast interview as well where he 
sometimes prefers the dances that kind of keep you grounded and don't add too much because then he can add what he wants. Whereas if it's complicated to begin with, then like you say, there's no time, there's no room in between the counts to put his own flair on it. It's just all flared out for him. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Two points that uh, we kind of hit already that are on here. Uh, I put, I'm okay with variation as a spontaneous thing, but not codified as a different version altogether. Like I Like It Loud, which then became mutated into Cha Cha Caliente and is credited to no one, even though it's just a variation on that dance. Or Georgia Peaches, which is a variation on uh, Cowboy Hip Hop, and Georgia Peaches, choreographer unknown, it's just Cowboy Hip Hop with things that people do consistently, and then they call it Georgia Peaches. But we've covered that many times before. Um, and then another one that we mentioned just a moment ago was I put here, the goal of line dance will eventually be to have a dance create the best expression of a song's mood. And I think where I was going with that was that um, starting out, you think of line dance as like, it's fun. We do these dances that are fun because we like the music. We want to dance to it. Um, however, then you get into like these expressive, lyrical, emotional pieces, and you don't really think about doing those like Rachel's falling. You don't think, oh, I love falling. It's so fun. Like... No, it's like no, it's, slow and moving. <laughs> yeah, it's it's emotional, it's pretty, it's right. flowing. And, and it expresses the song's mood, which yeah. uh, is sort of like the generalization of beyond fun. Like, those fun dances fit well for those songs because, you know, that's the mood of those songs. However, zooming out and looking at all the different kinds of music that there are and all the different emotions that they help express, uh, the dances that go with them... Um, and the ones that people seem to like the most are the ones that also express physically what the mood of the songs uh, might be musically. Yes. Yeah. As I say, the comment about the uh, different version of the dance, right. um, I have a hard time when it's the venue's version. Right. And they'll even you know, promote it as such, mm-hmm. where... At that point, I feel like um, they're taking away from the choreography and the choreographer and all the work that went into it that way because it's now insert venue name here's version. Mm-hmm. And like they're taking credit for work they didn't do. Exactly. Yeah. And all, all they did was screw up the steps. Yeah. <laughs> or like take out a quarter turn, so now it's a two wall or something. Yeah. yeah. Or add four spins. Right. Yeah, and then force everybody else to do them, even if they didn't want to. Like the Mr. Put It Down AB, where it's rock, recover, uh, rock, recover, rock, recover, rock, recover, two rocking chairs in a row. But a place that we go, a couple places we go locally, they have the first one be a rocking chair and the second one be a couple half pivots. But if you don't want to do that, and everyone's doing it around you because that's the way they're taught that it actually is then you might decide, no, it's too many turns for me. I really would have liked this dance, but, like, everybody's doing these spins, and I guess that's how it's done. I don't want to do it wrong, so I better not do the spins. But you're not doing it wrong. That's how it is, is without the spins. Or the pivots, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Speaking of complex dances, um, I put here, complex dances are perfect for post-theater kids who like to learn a routine to perform under colored lights, rehearsals twice a week where you can mark it if you feel like it, and cast parties in semi-regular intervals. <laughs> it is very theater, and I think that's one of the things that uh, attracted me to it. Um, coming out of 
was it? In 2008, I was in West Side Story, and then the following year, 2009, I was in a whole bunch of other like smaller production things, like senior projects and whatnot. And then in 2009, 2010 was when I started being brought um, by my girlfriend at the time to line dancing. And it felt very similar. You dress up for the occasion, because at the time I was going to Kodiak's, which was a country bar, so I had to like buy boots, and I had my inherited hat, and my inherited buckle collection, and I bought a couple plaid shirts, and uh, it felt like dressing up, you know, dressing up in costume. My grandma said the same thing uh, when she was going out dancing in the 90s, and uh, I think in the, maybe even in the late 80s. Um, she would put on her rhinestones, and her fringe, and her turquoise, and whatever else um, was like the theme of the night for her, because it wasn't like, you know, real life dress, dress time. It was yeah. country line dance night, you know. Um, as as I've you know gotten further and deeper into the scene, like some of that element has turned more functional, and it's just recently seen some of these videos from a year ago in my boots and buckle and everything else um, that I realized, man, like it was a lot more escapist then. I was going nuts out on the floor. I wasn't worried about technique. What kind of model I was uh, setting or uh, whether I was doing everything uh, properly so that somebody else could judge me well on what I was uh, putting out there. Like, I was just doing it for me and it was like completely for fun. Um, and I wasn't doing things necessarily incorrectly, but I was doing them big and uh, taking up way more space. <laughs> and, um, and I guess as things have, have transitioned more toward like functionality of wearing dance shoes with suede bottoms and all that stuff, it's become less a, less escape and more like here's what a real person in the real world does to move their body in like a physically uh, proper way and it's set to music. Eh, and it, it has its pros and cons. Um, I've even been wearing my hat less and that was like one of the last things uh, for me was that like I dropped the boots because I didn't like dancing and what happened to the, the poor rubber soles that you know, uh, were splitting off of the ones that I had. Um, and my jeans aren't that breathable, um, so I'm even starting to look at you know what, what's possible with other kinds of fabric besides denim. Uh, and I sweat a lot. Um, my buckles, I mean... You still I, wear those. I, I still wear them on occasion. Um, but like taking them off at the end of the night, it's just easier to have like, I mean, right now I am wearing, as we go to a line dance social, I'm wearing just a standard belt with, you know, the little, little, what is that, prong in the middle uh, to go into the holes. Uh, I'm wearing plaid because we're going to an event where it's like, you know, it's St. Patrick's Day, so I've got my green shirt, which is green plaid. Um, but like when I look at new plaid and I think, do I need this shirt? I think, I don't know, it kind of makes me look at a barcode. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like the way I would feel if I were to wear that. And the shirts that I have are kind of grandfathered in because I like them. Some of them were given as gifts. Uh, some of them have a nice fade or gradient pattern so it doesn't feel so barcode-y. But like I'm losing more and more of those elements that made it a separate world. And I'm like going to more things in street clothes that I was wearing earlier that day. So I don't know how I feel about that um, necessarily. But I do, I do recognize and honor my, you know, theater roots um, that got me into it at the beginning, where you dress differently, the lights are different, the music is different. You don't listen to that music in your real world time. That's like 
line dance time is when you listen to these songs. Like everything was so different from my normal life at that time when I started. Very theatrical. Maybe my side and my point of view might allow some ease to that. Okay. Um, I too come from theater. Right. In high school, I was in several musicals and plays. Um, and that's coming out of my childhood as soccer and softball player. I found choir and theater arts and stagecraft and that kind of stuff so much more enjoyable and more of an escape. Because I got to pretend to be someone I'm not and I could change it from, you know, production to production. Sometimes I can be the funny, goofy one. Sometimes I can be the quiet one. Sometimes I can be the mean one. You know, it just depend on whatever the that particular role called for me. Right out of high school was when I found line dancing. And so, like, going there, it was a total social place, but it was an escape from all of my regular day-to-day stuff. Um... I don't really recall so much of the dressing up when I was younger, but when I got back into it a few years back, I certainly started looking at, okay, wearing the jeans, wearing the boots, wearing the buckle, you know, like the belts and, you know, like the shirts that worked. And then like, because I too sweat a lot when I dance, I started looking into tank tops or um, backs that had like their, the back was either a low cut back or it was slit open or like just breathable um because nothing worse than you know standing around in sweaty soaked clothing and so like I started looking at shopping wise as a can I dance in this can I dance in this is this something I'm going to be comfortable dancing in um as I have gotten further and further into the scene I still look as I'm shopping, can I dance in this? And I've definitely changed to more, I'm still in my tank tops, but like more of the flow tank tops, not quite so like the skin tight, what you would expect to see from a country girl bar dancer. Um, But like for instance, today I'm wearing black, uh, very, very soft, uh, like almost like a a docker material short mm-hmm. and you know I have a, a tank top on that has like a back that's a sheer material so it's like completely different from the country bar type and as for music I've always listened to all range of music so like I can't really say like I don't listen to this in my day to day life because I always have but as I've gotten further and further into it and my clothing has changed, it's become more of my identity than my escape. And it's become more of who I am and what it comes down to is it's almost like, and I use this sparingly, air quotes, my real life is the escape from what I really want to do. Like line dance is my true life and going to work and going and doing other things that's just the escape from I need to take a breather from line dancing so that I have a healthy balance in my life not just an obsession of line dance you know it isn't you know 
my everything, although it really is. Um, you know, so it's like, it is who I am at this point as opposed to me pretending to fit in. So, I, I think I've found that comfort and that home when it comes to line dancing now that I'm further in as opposed to, oh, this is just what I do. This is, you know, um, this is what the scene calls for. Like, I know we've had a couple conversations of um, the blame is somebody else's. Like, oh, see, no, it's in the step sheet. I'm supposed to move like this. And that's why I'm enjoying it is because I'm supposed to. That's that's how it's written. Right. As opposed to, no, I do this because I love it. <laughs> and it's your problem if you have a problem with it, not mine. Yep. So... Actually, kind of related to that, um, that we can come back to in a few minutes after... Traffic? Well, I was going to say pausing, uh, but first, like, burying a couple controversial points here at the end of uh, this long, this long um, segment, um, so as to perhaps uh, offend fewer people. Um, oh, that's okay. Yeah, Let's go for one, it. One big question to come back to in a few minutes will be... Um, one that I wrote here. What could you live without if it meant you could dance all the time? So we can come back to that soon. Uh, but until then... I live, I live without a lot of things so I can dance. <laughs> uh, until then, uh, I've got a few here. Um, one, I guess I must have been pretty upset at the time or something. Uh, but I put that uh, one of our, our fellow uh, community members needs to chill out about how other people are dancing. Uh, because that person is a professional and needs to remember what it's like to just want to have fun as a beginner and not stress so much. And we've talked about that before, about um, you know just wanting to, to enjoy your time at the end of the day and, and like go to a, you know, whatever kind of uh, experience that you're having. And um, I, I've kind of gone back and forth myself on this because like I've seen as... <laughs> As, as we've discussed, like, this whole step sheet thing, I've seen some lessons um, at various places that aren't really the dance, but the people are enjoying it. So what do you say? What do you do? Like, do you just let it be? And mostly, I've kind of looked at that lately and just thought, yeah, I mean, really, who's it hurting? This is a brief moment in time. In three years, maybe that person won't even be dancing anymore, but they'll think about how much fun they had doing that lesson. But then... Before I came to this this state of mind, before that, I was thinking, well, why bother teaching it at all if you're going to teach it wrong? Just teach one that you know that you can do because it's... And, yeah, so, like, that's... It, it's been, like, a back and forth thing for me. I've had to learn how to let go and, like, to just calm myself. Yes. Um, I, I definitely have had more than one occasions of at least they're having fun. Yes. At least they're having fun. Right. Remind yourself, at least they are having fun. You were there too. That is how you learned. This is the mistakes you made. Um, you figured it out down the road without someone impeding on you and your moment. Um, the other thing is, uh, there was a recent Tim Ferriss podcast that we were listening to. I think it was last night, um, where he had asked uh, his interviewee if they could give. Um, like advice to their older self, like their past self, um, about like they got rejected by something. Um, like, what would they say? 
And, you know, one of the things that kind of stuck out to me is she was like, you know what, well, I have the benefit of hindsight, but what it comes down to is that it's really tough because I wouldn't, why would I give myself, why would I give advice to someone who I myself at the time wouldn't take? So a lot of times, and I know, I know I've seen it firsthand where someone has given the advice and probably in a very nasty kind of way, um, given gauging just the physical reactions people have had that they just blow them off. Mm. So what's really learned Mm. or if you come out swinging at someone and telling them they're doing it wrong, Mm. you know, they're going to blow you off in the sense of like, who are you to tell me I'm doing this wrong? Mm. Um, and they become very defensive. And a lot of people, uh, in my experience anyways, when you're defensive, you swing back. Mm. You don't just like take the criticism and go, oh, you're right. Yeah, I'll take that into consideration. Or mm. you know, Normally when someone comes at you, you're like, who are you? Back off. Mm. It's like how that, that, that saying that, Nobody in the history of being told to calm down has actually calmed down. Exactly. Um, so that, that's why I always say, like, there, there's ways that you can bring tough subjects up to people. And sometimes it's just better to bite your tongue. Mm-hmm. Because who are they actually hurting? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, one of the things you can do be like, hey, you know, just so you know, I'm not sure if you're aware. Um this is how it's actually written in the step sheet. Mm. Or, you know, you may want to, you know, tone down your, your jumping and your stomping a little bit because one, it's not good for your knees or your body, but it's also really not good for the floor. You know, yeah. like, not just like, you need to knock it off. Mm. You know, like there's... Or maybe you shouldn't dance this one. Yeah. Maybe you should just watch until you get it right. What? <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, there, there's ways... To go about it, it, especially like, I mean, like, maybe you shouldn't just dance this one. Um, be like, did you want me to walk you through the steps as we're out on the dance floor the way it's written? Mm. You know? Like, there's there's ways to go about it that, like, just because you don't necessarily agree with it um, doesn't mean that, one, you have to voice it, but, two, that it it's going to actually help them because they can hurt themselves by doing it a certain way. Um, that's a little bit different. And there's tactful and respectful and courteous ways of going about it. That is going to benefit everyone. And it's not just going to be you on your soapbox. Right. Controversial point number two of two. Um, so there's this really interesting looking dance. Like a, a dance that I enjoy watching every time I've seen it. And I don't see it often. Um, the choreographer, I, I, I've heard some things, and they're like potentially serious things. So, in a situation like that, uh, the note that I have here is: when you learn something from an instructor, you tell people implicitly that you endorse that choreographer, which can be risky if the choreographer is in ill repute. So. Do you let the dance stand on its own, or do you do you you know learn it and teach it and hope nobody asks any further questions about that choreographer? 
Well, me personally, I learn to dance okay. because... Go ahead. I learn to dance, generally speaking, based on the dance. Now, yes, the dancers can catch my attention because of the choreographer, because I have experience liking their stuff and how they put movements together. But the dance itself gets learned by me simply because I love the song and I like how it hits. Um, as for some of the other ones, I mean, there. I again, it's not so much based on the choreographer themselves, but the actual choreography. Um, and that's what I stand behind. It's I'm promoting the dance, not necessarily the choreographer. Now, would that apply if you were, let's say, on the circuit? You are going out nationwide teaching this dance to people and saying, what a great dance this is. But, like I said, the allegations or whatever about the person, the choreographer, are potentially serious. Would you want, on the, on the breakdown of the schedule for the day, to say, like, here's so-and-so person teaching this other person's dance? And it's like, the names are next to each other. Do you want that association to be that explicit? Um, I don't know. That that's a tough decision. Yeah. Um, I I guess it. Uh, I guess ultimately it depends on how much I love the dance versus how serious the allegation. Mm-hmm. Um, because like a good dance is a good dance. Mm-hmm. Um, but like depending, like I said, on the allegation, that's where I mean, like. If the allegation is they murdered someone, that's a whole different story than just, oh, I love this dance. Because chances are, there's another dance to it. But, you know, if it's just simply, like, they're difficult to work with and, you know, like, they ask for too much money and they break things or something silly like that, it's like, I don't care what they do in their personal life like that. Fortunately, I'm not in that situation yet. That's right. Another controversial point that I forgot was on here because I didn't bullet point it uh, was, and I apologize in advance uh, for this pretty elitist um, comment that I wrote here, was, uh, okay, so very often, like, and I mean, I even made my little beats per minute cheat sheet for this purpose. It's like, if you go to some place where there's live music and you don't know what's going to be played then you listen to it and you think, oh, okay, that's a, that's a tush push or that's a this or that other general use line dance where nothing I is... generally call them, pardon my disrespect, filler dances. Okay. For this reason is they'll fit with the music of a live band. Right. They can go with just about anything. Yeah. Um, now, the note that I have here is in quotes... That's a bracketed general use line dance. So, like, exactly what I said. That's a tush push. That's a slap and leather, whatever. And then right after that, in another set of quote marks, I have, sure, if you're lazy. So, zing. Ouch. Um, I think think what I was going for there was that I, at the time that I wrote that, um, was feeling more adventurous about learning new dances that are set to the new songs as opposed to and this is like this is more of a situation of when you have time like to actually learn a new dance that's going to be taught at the club 
instead of just taking the new pop song and using an old dance with it, um, it would be more like, you know, take the time, see if there are good dances that are choreographed for it, and, you know, maybe introduce a new dance for that song. As okay. opposed to the live music situation where it is like, that's a tush push, that'll go well with it, because, hey, I don't know any dances to this, I'm not going to learn them on the spot, because by the time half of the song is over, if I did actually learn a dance from the step sheet in a minute and a half, um, then the song's going to be over. I'm just going to do a dance that I know to it and say, that's a tush push. Well, yes, yes it is, and we can enjoy a lovely tush push to this. And I think the, the rude comment that I made right after that of sure if you're lazy was more intended for um, situations where you do have more time to explore what dances are out there and not just reuse umbop for the how oh, many time. time. Yeah. Because that's one that everyone knows or something. Yeah. So yeah, that's my controversial point buried here at the end of all this um, this minutes Stop. of segment um, let me see if I can find a nice positive one before we go on pause here oh yeah here we go create outreach for isolated line dance communities I think that would be really nice for um, people who are sort of landlocked and trapped and don't have a lot of places around them like Bakersfield or Fresno or maybe states entire states in the country where they don't have access to like the bigger line dance events, they don't know that they exist. Uh, they don't know that there are things like Copper Knob where they can go you know, shopping for new dances um, mm -hmm. to teach. Uh, I think that would be nice if there were some kind of proactive um, searching for communities that, that don't know that there's anything outside of themselves. And that way, you know, more networking can happen um, between them and the choreographers themselves. Maybe a big dance event could be brought to them. Um, maybe new dances could be brought to them. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that? Um, Outreach. It's kind of a neat idea. I think it comes down to um, a lot of like a really cool idea is, is that unity like we had talked about earlier about how like if we're all teaching like the same thing at the same time kind of situation um, I think with the internet being what it is there's a lot more potential for all of these places to like google search to, co to use a coined term um, and find places to go and things to do like that but I think it's also really important at that point for people as you know, like choreographers and instructors and even venues to make their websites extremely accessible and user-friendly so that people can find you. So that's where that thought is. As for like an outrage, that's a neat idea. One more quick and relevant point before we pause. Uh, I have one here that just said, right now, all waltzes seem the same to me. However, Gary O'Reilly, with uh, two of the ones that uh, we've learned of his in the last few months, uh, when you love someone and love remains, which now that, now that I think about it are both about love, even in the title, um, they, they do seem very distinct and well-matched to their songs. So 
I'm starting to kind of crack through that bullet-pointed note that I wrote uh, of all, right now all waltzes seem the same to me. Hopefully we will get to do those tonight at uh, the social that we're headed to uh, in Fremont. Yes. And um, also we will be coming back to that point of what could you live without uh, if it meant you could dance all the time. Looking forward to getting into that. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll catch you in a little bit.